Ahoy and welcome to the Mojo Podcast, part of Mike's Open Journal. Here we're going to be talking about mental health and that includes all things illness, wellness, stigma and support and most importantly some of your very own personal stories. We're going to be covering projects, campaigns, starting conversations and mentioning some of those tools that have supported your well-being. I want to say thanks for being part of the podcast, whether that's as a guest, as a listener, hopefully as a subscriber. I'm Mike, and while I'm being mindfully mindless, hopefully myself and my amazing guests will be able to show you that you're not alone out there. Thank you for being part of the Mojo Podcast. These are real people, they do have struggles. And it starts to get on my nerves, I just shut down. So many people suffer from mental illness. To get the word out that men have got to start talking. So I told everything and her face dropped. A lot of people don't understand the depth of the situation, so they can't appreciate, yeah. It's difficult dealing with our minds, and the suicidal thoughts were back. People knew that there was something not right, but they just never really said anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything. You're not depressed, it's, it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most. I mean, this, this, this shit is real and it's hard, it's exhausting. I don't think people realise how helpful that one conversation can be just to figure out why you are feeling the way you are. Not only did this help me to like it, Mm. it potentially might have helped some other people as well. So it sort of started from there. So many people think they're alone. And then you hear other people talk about it and they think, oh, that's, you know, that's so brave or I could relate to that. Um, And then they want to talk about it. Ahoy and welcome to the Mojo Podcast and to episode 163. I've kind of lost track of the Megacast episodes. I'm going to try and work it out uh, for when this episode goes up so I can add in the number, but I think it's just going to get incorporated into the the main feed now. Um, We have such big gaps in between recording, but I absolutely love sitting down and having a chat with Matt and Wes and catching up and, and talking through... Uh, what's been going on for us and and just having that open conversation about mental health and I think probably not that long ago uh, I recorded an episode just kind of having a sit down chat and talking about why I enjoy these particular episodes so much um, and having that opportunity just to sit down as three guys talking about our own experiences of mental health which are all slightly different Uh, we're all affected by different symptoms Uh, there's different past and lived experience there Uh, but we all have that passion for increasing our own and everyone else's knowledge education uh, around mental health around well-being whether that's about support whether that's lived experience whether that's some of the struggles that we might experience Uh, so I just enjoy sitting down with these guys and and having that shared conversation this episode is a little bit of a catch-up because it's been definitely I think over can you say definitely and then I think uh, it's been definitely I think over six months since we last recorded 
Um, hopefully we'll get back into a bit more of a, a kind of a schedule next year, but um, it's always nice to just sit down and have that relaxed conversation with Matt and Wes. And I, I really hope you enjoy this episode. As always, if you'd like to come onto the podcast yourself in the future, you can find all the details over at mikesopenjournal.com. Um, and it's always great to have new guests on to, to come and share their experience and their thoughts as well. So hope you enjoy this episode. And uh, yeah, here it is. So, so, um, it was weird that it worked the first time. Did you guys, I can edit all this out later. Um, did you guys no, call fun. each other? And then... <laughs> <laughs> this is I the best bit. Shows at all, dude. Like literally I edit nothing. I don't think at all. Like I, I put the intro in and that's it. Okay. Cause so, I used to go, I used to go really overboard, you know? And, and, and then well, I went, yeah, no, I, never do, I do on my own show. Like I'm, Kind oh, of a, oh, oh okay. when you're I professional. <laughs> you guys are just so amazingly perfect that I don't have to edit anything. <laughs> wow. That was a few that was a feeble shot, but I'll take it. Yeah, it's it, it's all I got, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so what's up? It's been since what? The summer since we did this last time? I um think it was I was before the summer, because I moved, I think at the end of the summer. Um, right. Uh, I can't think how close to, but yeah, it would have been the beginning of the summer, I think. Yeah, that sounds right. Maybe May. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, th- I think we should ask all of our uh, six fans out there. Um, <laughs> well, three, many, of, three of those are here. <laughs> We should ask them how many of you have gotten married, had children, and seen them off to college since our last episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, my son's going to graduate next May, so hopefully we have at least one more before then. But I'm sure. <laughs> 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 I, I feel like it'd be touch and go. <laughs> the next time we do one, we're going, hey, congratulations on being a grandpa. <laughs> God help me, don't say that yet. <laughs> Wow. Oh dear. Oh. oh man. Wow. It's good to hear all of you at the same time. I hear I hear you both separate on your shows. And of course, um I I'm I've gotten used to seeing Mike on television. Well yes. Mike's yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Mike's you know. all famous and stuff. I'm like, wow. I, know. <laughs> I I um I loved doing that. <laughs> Uh, you're the most famous of us we think you're pretty cool Mike yes oh. well I will yep. I will accept all of that phrase <laughs> <laughs> As that, well was, you that was a delayed response of, of him thinking how to respond right I'm, I'm, I seem to be jumping in between poor connection and okay connection um, oh, so I was just seeing if there's anything I can't, but I've got a full signal, so I'm not. Yeah, I'm not too sure. I hear you well, oh, at least right now. Yeah, you sound great here. Oh, that's good. That's good. Always fishing for those extra sound. compliments. You sound better than me, and I'm in the same room. <laughs> <laughs> 
Cool. You're in the same room thousands of miles away. Yes. I'm in the same room with me, and I, I still sound horrible. Hang on. Uh, Got to grab my phone because that's where I have all my notes. <laughs> so what kind of cereal are you eating? I expected Matt to say, you took notes? <laughs> I was thinking yeah, it. Notes. <laughs> I knew one of you would. I'm just still trying to understand what you're saying in between all the chewing of the cereal. I know, I know. It's just, <laughs> I can't let it go soggy, dude. Come on, yeah. <laughs> what kind is it? What kind is it? Um, Some kind of special K with something and something. Oh. Yeah, special K gets mushy really quick, dude. I know, yeah, exactly. Mm. You know, it's not like I'm eating grape nuts or something. Mm. Oh, those things are like literally chewing on gravel. <laughs> <laughs> it's like eating a box of cat litter. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anyway. So how are we? Fire away, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking in my head, what's the order we meant to go in again? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, no, really good. I think um like we kind of said, it's 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 been a while. Um I've I've moved since last time we recorded, so um, kind of everything that's been involved with that. Um, so I've moved in with my girlfriend. It's to a different town, although it's a, a nearby one to where I was previously. Um, so it's just been a bit of a settling in process and finding out where stuff is. And yeah, I'm still, this is the messiest my desk has ever been for a recording. Um, so we're still sorting stuff out. Um, but it's, yeah, it's been really good. Awesome. Cool. We are really out of practice at this, but at least it's good comic relief. That's all I got. Um, no, it's going well. Um, the podcast is going well. I'm about to finish up recording for the season. I only have one more to record yet uh, on December the 3rd, and then I'm done. I usually take most of December off to rest my brain. Um so, yeah, the podcast is going well. Things are uh, decent uh, for the most part. My uh, kids are doing well. My youngest son uh, is uh, got sworn into the Navy about three weeks ago, so he will be shipping out next July after he graduates, so that's pretty exciting. Wow. So, yeah, he's 17. He's following in Grandpa's footsteps. So I was going to say, your dad was in the Navy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh, was 22 years active service, uh, and then so my youngest is going to be – uh, I believe he's going in for uh, aviation ordinance, so he'll probably be spending a fair amount of time on ships. <laughs> Neat, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's exciting. So other than that, things are pretty decent. Um, I may be moving next year um, after he ships out. I, I might go somewhere else, but in the meantime, I'm status quo, and it's getting to we're about a week before Thanksgiving as this is recorded. So we are doing as well as we can possibly do, I think. Good. Yeah, nothing's really um, nothing's really changed here. I mean, you know, things are always changing. Work is always a challenge. Mm. Family is always a challenge. Time is always a challenge. But um, but yeah, you know, so far so good out here in the desert. You know, just we have three days of rain. I know. I know you guys will be uh, very oh, sympathetic. No. Yes. Yes. How did you um, type? I know, I know. It's it's a wonder that what's really funny is out here, you know, what passes for drainage is is kind of weird. So, 
everything floods easy, you know. <laughs> we just we just don't have the infrastructure that's built for for a lot of uh, moisture. So yeah, they said, oh yeah, it's gonna rain for three straight days, and you know, it's like the whole town wants to shut down or something. I feel your pain, Mister uh, yeah. Sunscreen, in, in in December. I know, I know. You feel you feel for me. I. I appreciate that. I, I appreciate all the kind thoughts and prayers that have been floated out there for me as I've dealt with water falling out of the sky, random water. So yeah, but no. Other than that, just kind of kicking along. I'm trying to I'm trying to get myself a little coordinated so I can get back into gear as far as podcasting and and putting content out there and just kind of trying to decide on direction and you know just. And trying to find balance, you know, mm. try to find that work, hobby slash life balance. So you and me both, man. Holy crap! I was just saying, yeah, it's a, it's always a challenge. I was just telling my wife this morning. That's the one thing that we, we never can come up with is any more time. <laughs> you know, it's mm. just there's never enough time for anything. So, but. Any other preliminary thoughts before we jump into today's topic? Uh, don't think I so. got nothing. No. No. <laughs> okay. All right. So, um, and, and we've discussed this uh, previously. I'll just say previously as opposed to nine months ago. Um, <laughs> we, you know, to, to varying degrees, we've all uh, dealt with counselors, life coaches, um, um you name it, and we've dealt with mental health professionals, uh, <laughs> primary care physicians when we were going, what's wrong with me? Um, you know, all those kinds of things. So well, I wanted to spend a little time today talking about the stigma surrounding therapy and what's, what you guys have as far as initial thoughts on that. Mike, <laughs> <laughs> I must remember first responder, first responder. Um, yeah, I think under the lorry you go. I would say bus, but in your case, it'd be under the lorry you go. For me, I guess it ties in with kind of some of those conversations I had on on my uh, recent other guest appearance on another podcast that was uh, on YouTube as well. Look out for that; that was amazing. Um, <laughs> that you got to you got to plug that. Yeah, yeah, got to plug that. Yeah. Therapy lab, um, yeah. I think it's it's really difficult because I, I often think that those of us that kind of are involved in these conversations frequently will say, "Oh, there's more kind of general awareness being raised. The stigma is being tackled." However, I think that's very much kind of within our bubble and within our circle. Um, and outside of that, there are still those quite traditional values and views around mental health around therapy uh, medication and a range of other kind of support systems and processes as well so it really depends on who you're talking to and I think we've spoken before about how we feel quite comfortable talking to each other we know that there's kind of a, uh, a shared but different lived experience with mental health and with services um and there's that nice environment that we're able to talk about that. But equally, there are times, there are settings, there are people um, that we don't feel comfortable talking about that um, kind of in front of. And that very much is that side of um, kind of stigma within 
I guess our society um, and the population at large that exists around talking about things that we struggle with when it's our brain and it is I guess our identity and our being um, to say that I'm struggling with this or I've accessed support is really difficult for for a lot of people um, a lot of the time and hopefully I think it's starting to change but just extremely slowly that we see therapy as much more of a yes people will use it when they're in crisis but also it's just part of our well-being to kind of check in whether you have kind of a formal organized booked therapy or you do other things that might be considered part of therapy um and I think I said on that the other podcast that for me the last lot of therapy that I did was probably the most useful because I wasn't in a state of crisis going into that I just recognized I was struggling with something and I I really needed to talk around that and identify if there was different ways to process or support that um but that only happened because I was comfortable enough to come forward without being in a crisis point um when the service was going to be more useful to me uh so yeah, I think it's changing, but it's still very much um, something that exists for for everyone, really. Well, there's a lot of good points in there, Matt. Yeah, I pretty much can't top that at all. I mean, not that I was going to try and top it, but Mike covered. <laughs> I mean, you can have your own interpretation. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes. I mean, the culture is changing. More and more people are seeking out therapy. Um, which creates another problem of having a lack of available therapists mm. for, um, you know, just because there's so many people who are seeking out help, which is good that they're seeking out help. But then it also reminds us that seeking out help, it can be difficult because therapists oftentimes are so overwhelmed. I mean, I can tell you personal lived experience. Like when I first started therapy years and years and years ago, I did it for about two and a half years straight. And then I stopped. Um, and I've recently gotten back into it, but like Mike, it was for a different reason. It's for a different part of where I am now. And I'm telling you guys, I tried to seek out therapists. I sent emails, I called, I went to websites and people either didn't respond or they were full or they didn't have the therapist that, that specialized in what I wanted, or they just like, whatever. I mean, it was a challenge to try and find someone now, fortunately, as it worked out, my old therapist was still taking on new clients uh, while, oh, you know, wow. she wasn't initially, but she was like, it kind of turned out to like a perfect scenario. So I'm able to get back in and talk with her. But, you know, as Mike mentioned, I'm, I'm able to embrace it in a different way. Um, cause I'm at a different point in my life. I'm not quite <clears throat> dealing with all the, you know, the, the trauma stuff that I was before that was all intense. And, you know, I was just stuck and frozen and confused and mad and sad and everything else. Um, I worked through a lot of that and now that I'm, you know, speaking now to, to her about different things, about different parts of my life and where I am now, where I'm headed. So I think it's, uh, I think it's, it's a wonderful thing to be able to find a therapist that you can relate with that can help you. And it's also a good reminder that, you know, therapy is not something you necessarily have to do every day. Or I mean, like all the time throughout your life. I mean, you may feel like you need to be in therapy for you know, 10, 20, 30 years straight, and that's fine. But you can also be in different seasons where you work through some stuff and then you take a break and then you come back and work on some new stuff. And that's kind of where I am right now. Wow. Yeah. And, and that's, that's a great place to be for anyone who out there who's, 
who's considering seeking out a therapist or in the process of looking for one and is about, you know, fed up and doesn't want to bother anymore. Those are those are great points to keep in mind. And I love what you guys are talking about, about the idea of um, and I hope my voice is coming through. OK, are you guys hearing me? All right. Yeah, man. You're yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah. OK, OK. I was just curious if because something clicked in my ears. Um, but I, I think one of the biggest points that I just took from you guys is different seasons or not necessarily. Uh, I guess another way to say it is not waiting until we're in crisis in order to seek uh, those opinions or to, to be able to speak and vent and, and process in a healthy way what it is that we're dealing with. And I think that's that's a huge thing because um, we're, we've been through some of this stuff, so we say, all right, it's starting to feel like it's time for me to go talk to somebody again. It can be just as simple as that. And because we have that previous experience, it's much easier, hopefully, for us to make that decision to to seek out uh, professional help. Uh, you know, even when I say professional help, it sounds like there's a stigma around it, and I, I think that's just the era we all grew up in. You know, and and previous generations of stuff, uh, you know, stigma piled onto that. But there's a huge benefit in being able to say, um, I'm not in crisis yet, but in order to do some preventative maintenance here. I'm going to uh, I'm going to go talk to somebody. It might like Matt's alluded to. It could be two or three sessions. It could be six months, a year. It could be very specific. It could be very general in order to isolate what it is that's bothering us uh, or triggering us specifically, and then and then work on it from there. But um, it's a great gift to be able to look back on a history of this and say, yeah, I think I know when I need to, to get back in to, you know, to speak to someone. I think that's really interesting. Cause I think we were, I think some of the examples we were giving uh, initially was that idea of kind of coming back into therapy um, mm-hmm. at, at different stages and I think where you're mentioning there that idea of coming in earlier I think is so important as well um, and that's really where we do see that kind of existence of stigma I mean we have um, we have a charity in the UK called Samaritans which mm-hmm. is uh, like a 24-hour phone line that's uh, free to call they've got a website and email support and stuff like that as well and they've done loads of amazing work around suicide prevention and are very much seen as a essentially like a suicide prevention hotline. Now, there is, there's a benefit to that in that when people are struggling or experiencing those kind of self-harm or suicidal thoughts, hopefully there is someone that they are aware of or someone around them is aware of because of the, the, the marketing that's gone into that charity. However, one of the problems is that that is a listening service for anyone at any time. So often people don't phone that because of the stigma of, well, I, oh, I'm not thinking about harming myself. Or I'm not thinking about suicide. So that's not for me. Um, and it's trying to get around that. I think often people think of therapy in a very similar way to I'm mm. not at breaking point. So it's not for me. Uh, and that kind of I think that's a very uh, old-fashioned, traditional uh, mindset to have. Um, actually, it's 
it's kind of, it's just checking up on yourself and recognizing that actually a lot of the we're we're so busy now with so many different things how many of us really have the time the confidence the skills the education to sit down with friends or family and and talk about some of the stuff that's going on for us actually I think therapy is probably more important now than it's ever been um but we're still stuck with quite traditional thoughts about what it is yeah yeah that's a good point and that's actually where I was just thinking about going when Mike brought it up is therapy is not always about I'm in crisis and whether it's for suicide or whether it's anything else it, it can just be going in and, you know, not even because you think you might be in crisis later, but just going in and be like, hey, something's bothering me. I can't quite figure it out. It's been on my mind for a while. It's starting to affect my sleep or my eating or, or my life in general. Maybe I should go dig into this a little bit. And that's, you know, what what prompted me to go back. It wasn't that I was feeling like I was in crisis or overwhelmed. You know, like the first time I went to a therapist, I was like, my life was just falling apart. I was just divorced for the second time and I'm on my own and oh my God, what's going to happen and what's wrong with me and all that stuff. And then this time it's more of, I feel pretty stable. I feel, you know, like I can handle things, but there's some nagging stuff that I can't quite put my finger on or that's bothering me. So let me just go talk about this for a while and see if there's something there. And there may not be anything like maybe you go and speak to a therapist and you have a few sessions and you're like, okay, I just needed to air something and now I'm all right. Or maybe there's something deeper that is coming up from a past uh, trauma response or something to deal with another past therapy response or, uh, you know, a therapy topic. Maybe it's something that just came up. It could be any number of stuff, but it's really all about, it's kind of almost like, um, preventative maintenance now, like, you know, with a car sort of, I mean, you know, it's mm-hmm. something is a little off right now and I don't know what it is. So let me go talk about it with a safe person in a safe place and let's explore if there is something there. Mm-hmm. And then if there is, then we go for it. And if not, then you know that you did the right thing by taking, yes. you know, the action of at least talking to someone and figuring it out. Yes. Yeah. And I think, I think what you just said is such a huge point. You know, when we talk about preventive maintenance, um, and this is going to kind of dovetail into something else that we've talked about before, which is men's mental health. Hmm. Um, quite often, just in general health care, I mean, over here, uh, and it might be the same everywhere, um, when you uh, schedule physicals, when you uh, have blood draws, when you do regular checkups, these kinds of things, these days they're incorporated into the insurance world in order to lessen the amount of liability and, and, and money that they'll pay out down the road because you're actually taking care of yourself in the moment. It's preventive maintenance. And it's amazing how many people, especially men, have a tendency to look at it like, you know, this shoulder is really killing me, but... I'll just take some Advil and I'll be fine. And I've put up with it for two years and we just won't go to the doctor. And that's just with something that's a physical issue. So, you know, and guys are notorious for, I can't stand doctor's offices. I'm not going to go see the doctor over something this simple, you know, that kind of thing. So even a prolonged period of feeling down or feeling um, irritated, uh, whatever the case may be, uh, we have a tendency to, especially men, I think everybody does it, but especially men, we have a tendency to go just suck it up. 
you know, just suck it up. What are you, what are you, what are you complaining about? Just be quiet and go about your business and ignore it. And, you know, so if we do that on a general physical health level, now we're talking about a whole new level of, for lack of a better term, intimacy with another person, a professional that is, is, um, is there to help us. But we've got to recognize that we want that help or that we need that help. Um, and that's where preventative maintenance is a, is a, is a big thing for me because uh, you, don't, you don't always recognize what you need. You know, obviously, either physically, as far as physical health or mental health. And, you know, we could go in and say, okay, here's the problem with your shoulder. It's a it's a rotator cuff. We can't do anything. You know, we got to do this, this and this. And here's the therapy. And and we're like, yeah, okay, I guess I'll do it. Will we maintain that? Probably not. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> so now we're talking about what's going on in our brains. We're talking about our, our heart responses to things, our head responses to things. And we don't necessarily think anybody else belongs in there. You know, it's not like they can take an x-ray of our emotions and go, ew, I see what you've got going on here. That's that's ugly. You know, <laughs> I mean, no one's going to no one's going to be able to do that. But if we if we I think it's getting over that initial fear of seeing a therapist and just like we would see a PC, a regular doctor and. Um, addressing what the issue is, and then after we've done it a couple times, then we're more willing. But we have to have those tools in the toolbox um, in order to in order to be able to say, "Yeah, it's time I go see somebody about this." Uh, yeah. Oh, I've got a couple. I've got a couple of different thoughts on that. One, I'm going to plus away slightly. This is a little bit abstract about. Um, you kind of started off with the the that judgment side and informing people of kind of where your where your health and where your mental health is. Um, and I had when we when we were moving, we were looking at um, like the insurance and different bits and pieces. Um, so we had a look at life insurance, which is something I've never really looked at before, never really felt the need to care about that. Um, but we were looking through, um, and because of my uh, my experience in the past with depression and, and suicidal thoughts, which, I mean, if I wanted to be really sneaky, I could not disclose. However, I think that'd be quite difficult, given the amount of talking I do online about it. Um, but because of that, or not necessarily because of that, I don't know, there could be other reasons. However, it's definitely this. Um, it, it, I was refused life insurance. Um and I think there is that element of um, there are going to be repercussions for me from for talking about this. Whether obviously for in, in that particular situation, it was okay for the next I think five years. I can't get uh, life insurance for other people. It might be that they're worrying about how their workplace or how their job application is going to be perceived if they disclose certain struggles or history with mental health. Um, and I think that is a really big thing that for all the awareness and the education that has happened in the last couple of years, that still very much exists. That's part of our processes, our systems and the way people judge things. I think that that is still very much a problem. Um, and uh, coming back a little bit more to the, the tangent that we were going on uh, with the men's mental health. Yeah, I think 
everything you hear is very accurate. We still um, very much have that uh, traditional identity, I guess, around gender, around I will continue to work, I will continue to to function um, in society. Like you say, if I've got a bad back or, or, or my leg, I will just carry on doing what I'm doing and, and hopefully it will get better. Um, unfortunately, with mental health, that just it's often not visible to other people. So where you might get that element of kind of conversation or... Um, encouragement to seek support because someone can see you slouching or hunching or limping um, you're often mm. not going to get that with mental health and I, I think that's probably the side that that we really struggle with and um, yeah without taking us too many different points there were a the couple of things that sort of popped up for me there Great yeah. Points. yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And you know what, Mike, I, I ran into that same thing with life insurance too. Like I've been shopping around and, you know, one, one of the questions is always, you know, have you struggled with certain types of things? And one mm. of them is depression or anxiety or, or something mental health related. Mm. And you have the option of lying about it. Um, but then, of course, you know, if you lie about it and then something happens and your family or friends, you know, or your family would need it and, mm. you know, that, that comes into play, then then there can be a whole nother part of it. And then if you be honest, a lot of these companies will either jack your rates up to like sky high or they'll just say that you're too big of a risk. And then you start feeling bad about yourself. And, oh, my God, why did I say this? And what's yeah. wrong with me? And that's the whole shaming part of it. And then and then, you know, kind of comes around to the stigma side. So, I mean, we could do a whole nother show about that part. I mean, I remember. Right. I remember being sat in. We were sat in the estate agent's office, so you feel like it's a very professional workplace setting, and they go through and ask these questions, not obviously expecting you to give quite like nope, 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 nope responses. And you're like, um, actually, yes, yes, and it's like, oh, okay, um, <laughs> I need to check what we need to do about this. And like, one of them was uh, about obviously like your a, a little bit of your diet of like um your history with um drugs alcohol anything else um and one of the, one of them was like how what, what was your height and i was like oh, i've got a rough idea but this isn't like you're not in a in a doctor's surgery there's nothing to like measure you but so i'm like okay i think this is how tall i am and how much do you weigh and i was like i haven't got no idea so i turned to laura who was next to me and i was like well how much do you weigh? I think I'm one and a half of you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. How do you list that in the form? I'm one and a half of this other person. Yes. <laughs> oh, dear. I was just like, surely if you're going to ask these questions, have the tools in here. For... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm as tall as these curtains here. That's it, you know. And then you have to go back and measure them later. That's, yeah. Well, hopefully you didn't get slapped for asking that, you know. That's, no. that's kind of... Well, she had to answer the same question. So fortunate, <laughs> fortunate enough to be able yes. to go. Well, you're going to have to answer it in a minute anyway. So. <laughs> uh, well, um, yeah. I mean, these are all great points. And, and I would just add for anyone who's dealing with... Um, I, I loosely use the term dual diagnosis, I guess. If there's anxiety, depression, any kind of mental health issues that's also accompanied by self-medication, uh, uh, addiction, alcoholism, anything like that, getting into any kind of therapy slash recovery, I think is beneficial in seeing the warning signs later on down the road. 
the I had, in fact, my therapist, uh, I might've mentioned this the last time, my counselor said, um, that she was saddened that I had been dealing with the anxiety issues, uh, panic issues and things for 20 some odd years before actually seeking counseling. And I was hospitalized when this first started for a week. And I did spend time with therapists and, and psychologists and psychiatrists and dealing with the, the medication balances and all that kind of stuff. But I never really dug into where did this all come from? I just kind of threw it in the category of um, it's nature, it's my DNA, um, and and you know just move on from there. Almost like a headache. Well, I don't I don't know what the I don't know what caused the headache, but give me something to make the headache go away. Hmm. And I think that's I think that was where I when I first uh, was medicated and when I first started uh, exploring what panic and anxiety issues are really about. I think that was my attitude was. Okay, um, I can't drive. This you know, this panic issue is is affecting my work life, and um, just give me something that makes this go away. And that never really delves into, um, you know, what what put this here? What what's causing this? Mm. And as it turns out, there's a lot of things in my upbringing, a lot of things in my family history, my background. The relationships I had as I grew up without real good, solid coping skills, becoming an adult that contributed to exacerbating that nature, that that DNA. Um, at least that's what I'm discovering in, in my journey. And um, and I'm starting to find out and this leads to the to the other question I was going to ask. I'm starting to find out that that my perception of self has been wrong. Um, and, and that can be incredibly validating. So that brings me to my other question. Can you think of uh, one major lesson that you've learned in therapy, in counseling, uh, that you would want to, uh, that you'll always remember and that you always want, that you would want to pass on to another person? Uh, 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 I think for for me, uh, I think one thing that uh, one yeah um, one one example would, would be when I think this was my second it's my second lot of group therapy, and um, like all group therapy, it was a bit hit and miss, um, but. There was a particular activity that really kind of resonated with me, and it's definitely had some kind of key themes that have been useful. Um, so for the activity, uh, we wrote up. Uh, if you imagine, we kind of sat around a table, and then at the front of the room, there's a big whiteboard. Um, so we we write down on post its some really positive things that are part of our life, whether that's friends, family, job, hobbies, activities, sports clubs, whatever. So those are all written down. Um, and in a notepad, the the post-it notes are stuck onto the whiteboard. So we can look at those. We can see all of those positive things that are in front of us. And that's great. Um, and then what they do is they write down 
um, something that you've experienced that's been a kind of a negative impact on you, so whether that's particular mental health illness, particular situation, person, environment, whatever. Um, so we all write those down um, on our post-its, um, and then we stick the post-its onto one of the practitioners that was leading the session. And then he stands in front of the whiteboard, who sort of said, all right, so you can see all of this stuff on the whiteboard, that's all the good stuff, but I'm now stood in the way. All of these negative things that are part of our life um, are now blocking our kind of field of view. Um, so he said, all of that positive stuff is still there, but it's just a lot harder to see now because I'm, I'm stood in front of it. Um, so what we had is we had, uh, like, someone would stand up and they would be kind of our representation or our rep or whatever. So they stood up. Um, and they hold a bit of string or a cable that's attached to the negative emotions of the practitioner. Hopefully I'm describing this. In a, okay. Um, so he said, look, you're, you're connected to me and you can see all of the positive stuff, but I'm here as well. He said, naturally, you are drawn to negative thoughts and feelings. And this is kind of an element of our evolution. It's part of our survival mechanism so he pulls this bit of string so you're gradually being pulled closer and closer what what's happening now so as you get closer to the the negative thoughts and feelings it's harder to see some of that positive stuff that's on the whiteboard behind him because you're you're being drawn in you're much more invested in this negative stuff mm. um and he says so what happens now if you if you let go of the string and you can step back what happens so you can step back, all of that negative stuff, that is still is still there. So we're not kind of pretending that that's gone away. Um, it's still there, but we're able to ha kind of have a bit more uh, perspective. We can step back, we can look around, and we can see all of that positive stuff on the backboard. We're like, oh, that's great. So it's about learning to kind of have that disconnect, recognise that those negative things are still there. Then, just as you kind of think the activity is over the practitioner will throw out the cable or the rope to the person that was stood there and out of instinct you will naturally grab the rope or the cable and they start to pull you back in and they're like that's how easy it is to just get drawn back in again even though you know what's going to happen uh, you've had this experience before you quickly grab the rope and you're drawn back in again um, and it was a really good visual representation wow. Um, and really stuck with me. I think it's a great kind of activity to have because it's not part of my recovery uh, or the continued journey for recovery has been very much about um, not hoping or wanting or aiming for these negative things to go away. It's been about understanding them, being better educated, being able to manage them more, having that perspective of what the good stuff is. So that activity really worked for me. Um, so it might not necessarily resonate with you, but for me, that was that was an amazing activity and a really good visual for what supported yeah. my recovery. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it is. That is. I like that. Um, I like that approach a lot. It's it's excellent. Um, I think the one thing for me and this comes um, is that most of everything I talk about in therapy, most of the struggles that I have, whether it was the things that I, that I explored the first time around that I had no idea, um, was even trauma type stuff. Um, now that I'm going back for things that aren't necessarily trauma recovery related, such as, you know, self-esteem and, you know, um, asserting certain boundaries and voicing my opinion and not, uh, being, or not always, um, 
acquiescing to somebody else. Hmm. A lot of that is still, not all of it, most of it is still rooted in the effects of being a survivor of trauma. And it is exacerbated by those, you know, by those events that happened when I was younger. So while I'm not digging into, you know, what happened, why it happened, you know, those events and, you know, dealing with the flashbacks and all the stuff that happens, you know, when, when you initially start to seek out help, the leftover problems within those areas of self-esteem and boundaries and, you know, voicing my opinion and standing up for myself, those kinds of things still come back to what I worked on before. And so I just, it, it's, it's, it's for me, it's remembering that if you seek out therapy for, because you're a trauma survivor or because, or, you know, for example, which is what I went for. Um, and, you know, you, you will find that even when you're not directly working on the trauma stuff, the things that you have problems with now that, that you want help with now are all exacerbated by all the crap that you went through before. Mm. And so that's what I found. And I kind of had a feeling just because I know as much as that I, I know about myself and what I've learned over the years and the research and being a coach myself and working with survivors and all this stuff, I had a feeling that this was all where it was coming from, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it because I was too involved in my own world. Like, it's like, you know, not being able to see the forest through through the trees. I had to get mm -hmm. the perspective of somebody else to say, well, you know, this is all coming from this and that, you know, and all the stuff we worked on before. And so when you can kind of understand that it is, you know, a lot of this is rooted in the past. And, you know, even though you're not necessarily working on digging up those old memories anymore, the after effects are still there and you still have to work through it and you still have to understand that. And when you do understand that it's as empowering and encouraging as it is irritating and frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Mm. Uh, wow, yeah, yeah. I can I can definitely relate to to what both of you are saying. Mine mine is is similar, Matt, in in that um I think the number one thing that I've learned overall is um because of childhood experiences um and just the the family dynamic that I grew up in. Um and then everything that I, you know, that I've uh, suffered through since then as an adult, trying to figure it out on my own, and and why is, you know, why can't, why do I have these uncontrollable thoughts, and why, you know, this kind of thing. Mm. I think the number one thing that I've learned in counseling is since I've always seen myself as damaged, um, I needed a professional to show me just how normal I am. And um, I say that in, in terms of, uh, you know, how, how we see ourselves is usually, I mean, we're usually a lot harder on ourselves than any other person is ever going to be on us. And um, so there's that negativity that, that Mike's um, showing us um, that is always surrounding my thoughts of self. Um, so it's kind of, I don't trust anything. I think I don't, uh, I don't believe anything that I'm feeling, um, but I can't get around it. And when a, a therapist has sat down now and, and explained to me, 
you know, when I when I say, okay, here's the here's an experience that I had, and and I'm really struggling with it, and da da da, da whether it be recent or in the past, or the distant past, um, and they would say, well, how how I mean, that's exactly how someone would react, you know, kind of pointing out to me that that my my um, my reactions, my thoughts, my feelings, my point of view um, is not damaged just because I suffer from these things, these, you know, these mental health challenges, these emotional challenges. It doesn't, it doesn't skew my whole being into being just, into just being faulty all the time. You know, it's, it's kind of like going back to the car that, that, that Matt was using as a, as an example before, you know, it's like, well, just because the, the, you know, the engine doesn't seem to want to run the way that it should be. It's like, well, that's what happens when you run out of gas. <laughs> you know, it's just, I just stopped. It just didn't, you know, it's like, well, that's going to happen to anyone. And I never gave myself the benefit of that doubt. I always automatically assumed that anytime I was feeling fear or anger or frustration, it all had to do with me being faulty, me not being good enough me not being healthy enough, quote unquote. Um, it never really crossed my mind that, look, Wes, in a given situation, most people are going to react exactly that way. And I was never giving myself the benefit of the doubt. And in fact, a, a prime example is uh, going through some previous stuff uh, from from early adulthood that, that still affects me. Um, my therapist pointed out, you know, it sounds to me like you're dealing with or struggling with another person's narcissistic tendencies. This has nothing to do with you being faulty. This has to do with a person who's 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 uh, steeped in empathy, as she thinks I am, um, and is always concerned about others because that's just our nature a lot of times, you know. Um, she says, you, you, you can't expect to get along with a narcissistic self-centered personality and, and just be okay with everything that they do, you know, you're, and, and if you're struggling against that, it doesn't mean you're faulty. It means that you're saying, no, this is, this is not how this is going to happen. I'm not doing this, this way. And because, and I can't remember one of you said it, I think Matt said it, um, uh, it, it, it related to people pleasing, you know, we're always, we're always so, oh, you said to acquiesce to everybody else's wishes or everybody mm -hmm. else's desires. And anytime I don't do that, I, I automatically start beating the crap out of myself. Never once recognizing that my needs were never met in that situation ever. Mm -hmm. And then wondering why I feel so, you know, horrible about pulling myself out of that relationship and saying, no, we're not doing this anymore. Not, not with this dynamic. It's not going to happen. So finding out just how normal I, and this, it's so weird because this is the exact same that happened to the uh, same thing that happened to me in sobriety. I, I spent a few weeks, maybe a couple of months in a group setting, um, learning about, uh, you know, the causes of, of alcoholism and its nature and its nurture and it's all kinds of different things that, that come together to say, I can't deal with it and I'm going to check out. 
emotionally. Um, I found out every single one of those guys, it's kind of like the three of us talking, every one of those guys could relate in one form or another to what I had been through, and I could relate to them. Hmm. And I, sh- I should have learned that, look, you're normal, quote unquote, whatever normal is, um, but you're reacting in a normal way to a completely abnormal situation, and you're beating yourself up because of it, when really you shouldn't do that. So finding out just how common would probably be a better word than normal, just how common my responses are, just how natural my responses are, was extremely enlightening to me and going, wait a minute, I'm not wrong every time I have a thought or every time I open my mouth. You know, um, I've always equated I must be wrong to that person disagrees with me. Mm. That person, That person got mad at me for saying what I felt was the truth. And since they're angry with me or frustrated with me, then I must be wrong. And I need to back off from this from this thinking and I need to get more on board with their thinking. And nothing could be further from the truth. I just simply had no way to cope with or dissect what um, what I consider acceptable and what is beyond acceptable for me. And I, finding out those things, it's like, yeah, you're you're I, I would I would react exactly the same way, you know, and. That's just not something I ever would have heard had I not sought out counseling or therapy. It's having that balanced, uh, objective person, isn't it? It's not involved in it. It has no interest, no bias, no benefit of of responding in any particular way. Um, And being able to have that open conversation, I think, and... Like you say, so often we're wrapped up in our own ideas of, of how we are perceived and how we are viewed by, by different people and our, I suppose, our perceived role within particular groups. Um, and I think counselling is a great way to have that open conversation that hopefully in the future we'll be able to have with kind of other people or more people. Um, but it's having that, that setting that... I don't know about you guys, but I'm always surprised with... Um, once you're in a routine, so not necessarily the first or second session, but once you're in a routine of like, oh, each week or however often you're going to go and see your your counsellor or your therapist, you get into that, you've sat down, it's been two, three minutes and straight away you open up. Um, I just think it's like, if I have a, if I have a conversation with someone else, that probably is going to take about three hours. <laughs> and like, oh, we're, we're in the mindset that like, this is an okay place. This is a safe place. This is a safe place. I can talk here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's a, that's a big benefit of this. And I, and I, I know we're kind of coming up on time here. We have probably less than 10 minutes, but when you, I think that's a really great point is when you find the therapist or the counselor, um, and you and you get into that routine where it's like you walk in there and you immediately feel safe. You know, the door is shut and you're you're sitting on the couch, which is probably really uncomfortable if yours is like mine is. Um, you had but a you're sitting there and you're just like, <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, I swear to God, I, I think it's a therapist thing. You have to have an uncomfortable ass couch. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but but to, to be able to sit there and just start talking and 
it's almost like you, well, not almost, it is for me that I look forward to that when I'm actively working with someone because I know, like, I'm not suppressing this. I'm not, I'm not not dealing with it. I'm not ignoring it. I'm not pretending it isn't there. I'm not, you know, doing something like that. I'm actively saying that, you know, I have a safe place that I can meet for an hour every week and I can talk about this and get some ideas and some uh, perspective, which is what both of you guys mentioned of having that objective person of who can look at it um, from the outside and give us that insight that we would never be able to find on our own or that would take us exponentially longer to find and to just be able to walk in and start talking and start talking. And then when you leave, you know, I mean, yeah, you have that bit of a uh, vulnerability hangover for a while and you're kind of like, oh, my God, my brain hurts and I'm tired. But then, you know, as you go out in the rest of your week, you you realize that you have that person who was who was in your corner. Mm. And especially when you're dealing with something that is difficult or, or you're trying to unravel something that you think might be coming up uh, or whatever, you know that in the back of your mind, even if you don't really have a lot of time to deal with it throughout the week because you're busy doing 100 different things. You've got that hour or two once or twice a week to go in there and just spew it all out and get it out of your head. And that's that's you know the biggest thing I say about when I when I work with clients is get it the hell out of your head because when it's in your head it runs around, it 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 just you know it's like that hamster wheel that goes and goes and it feels more overwhelming it feels a lot more difficult to deal with but when you verbalize it or you write it out or use some type of uh, expressive therapy to get it out of your head suddenly even though you may not have all the answers yet and it's not easy it gets a little bit more manageable when it's sitting there right in front of you or when you can actually speak it. Yes. So. Mm. Yes. And I, and I totally agree. I can't, I can't stress enough that having that, that reprieve from the rest of the world is, um, is, I mean, you can't put a price tag on it as far as I'm concerned. And I've always been, uh, in fact, I've told my counselor this, when I got into addiction recovery, I said, you know, I, here's something I always think that's weird about me is I look forward to digging into this stuff and finding out what what's really going on. Yeah, me too. And I, and I said, and, and, and maybe that's why we all click so well is because the majority of people on the outside looking in do not feel that way, at least in my in my experience. Um, it's it's something to be feared. It's something to be it's something to shrink away from. It's something to to uh, even even when you want to unpack it, it's something that, no, it's safer, quote unquote, to just keep this under lock and key. I don't want to do that. And what I find over the course of time and my therapist tells me that's that's just your heart trying to get past your head. <laughs> you know, that's your true desire for for healing and for peace. That is that is your heart. And your head is what's saying, no, 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 don't rock the boat. Keep everything status quo, because if you do, then at least you know, you know, at least you're familiar with the pain that you're feeling and you don't have to worry about it, it getting worse, quote unquote. Um, and so so inevitably I embrace that and I go, oh, it's OK to want to find out what's going on. And, yeah, sometimes it really hurts. But I've never I've never come away from a therapy session saying, well, that was a big waste of time. You know, I I I, I really don't do that. I mean, there are times I walk in there and I'll tell her I have absolutely nothing for you. And she won't she won't prod or push or anything. 
Um, and she'll say, well, you must have been thinking of something in the waiting room. I'm like, yeah, I've been out there for 15 minutes. So um, I'll start off with, uh, well, here's something positive that happened. Um, and and she's, not, she's not directing me in a positive or negative way. It's just that that's the first thing that popped into my head. And she'll tell me, she says, you're, you're practicing self-care without even knowing it. Why do you think that is? And, and inevitably, the answer was um, because I feel better afterwards. You know, and, and it's not it's not it's OK to say, no, I'm not going to do that. I, I'm not going to I'm not going to spend uh, two hours doing a or whatever, because it's just or pushing ourselves too hard. And, and it seems to come more natural to me now to go, OK, I'm shutting it down for the rest of the day. I'm done, which I would have never done that before. And she's telling me, she says, you know, when you're getting these things out and you're recognizing what works and what doesn't, what's healthy and what's unhealthy, you're automatically gravitating toward what is healthy. You know, if you just allow yourself kind of getting out of our own way kind of a thing. Well said. Yeah, I think um, as we kind of round off, I think there's one thing. I I I guess I kind of flag up for some people is that I think I've had very different experiences of that kind of that positive benefit. Sometimes it is immediately after you, like you say, you walk out the the session and you feel, oh, that was really helpful. I feel very positive about that experience, um, or I feel like I've learned something. Um, but I've also had the experience where I felt like I haven't really got anything from that. And it hasn't been until a few weeks or even months later when mm-hmm. something's really resonated or kind of seeped through into the practices that I'm having. So if you have given something a go, it might, it might not have been for you. Um, but there's also the chance that some of the stuff that you've kind of spoken about or worked through might be of benefit to you in the future. It just hasn't kind of taken effect just yet. Right, exactly. Could not agree more. Could not agree more. And I mean, if we if we needed like some future topics for this, I mean, we covered about a dozen different areas we could go and have a show about about this stuff. So, yes, this was our this was our intro to (laughs) our intro to the aspects of therapy. Mm. by the Megacast crew. Yeah. Yes, yes. yes. And for those of you who are missing the dealing with the holiday stuff, we've done that like for like two years. (laughs) Something totally different because we can only rehash the same holiday type stuff um, so much because so, but we We will link those shows if you want in the show. We can do this and go, we can go, visit your favorite podcast outlet. And see previous shows of Christmas, Thanksgiving, New Year, and so on. Because we did it literally like three years in a row. <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> yep, we're not against it's... doing things twice or thrice, but we won't be doing them four times. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly. That is where we draw the line. <laughs> yes. Not we, will, we will beat something to death, but not over and over and over and over and over yeah. and over. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we, will only, we will only beat a dead horse for so long before we have to finally say... Not this year, not this time. This far, no further. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Matt jumps in. Yeah. Uh, 
Well, this was cool, guys. It was awesome to get back with you guys. I've yes. I've I've been looking forward to this for obviously for months. And yeah, me too. Um, you know, this will be the last one we do, obviously, for 2019, because as we're recording this, it is the end of November anyway. Mm. So we will hopefully get something going in, you know, early 2020 again. But it's these shows are always like a highlight for me. And just talking to you dudes is like, you know, one of these days we're all going to find a way to hang out somewhere. Wes and I will fly over uh, across the pond to see Mike and he'll take us around all the cool places he lives and show us all the all the cool accent people. You know, Matt, Matt, I'm scared to death that if we ever did that, we'd never come back. I, I, I want to come back. I mean, you're sitting around talking about moving anyway, you know, so you're yeah. probably going to end up being Mike's neighbor. You never know. Oh. See, if you well, came here, though, you would be the people with a cool accent. <laughs> you know what? That's true. I that. <laughs> well, look at the bright side. I would only have to keep track of two time zones. Oh, yeah, this is true. That would, that, would be, that would be awesome. Why don't you guys, um, hey, Mike, why don't you plug what you know you need to plug? And then both of you uh, tell everyone where you can be found. Cool. Um, oh, yeah. So many things now, isn't there? Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> everything really can be found uh, at mikesopenjournal.com. So you've got some of this stuff with, I mean, there's a lot less of the blogging this year, but there are some blogs that have gone up. The podcasts, which I think um, around 150 or 60-ish now. So there's plenty of episodes on there with some amazing guests recently. Um, in, th in fact, I think last week I had uh, a chap on from uh, Urban Easter, uh, Anders, and we uh, we spoke through some of the sponsorship stuff that they're doing with the Avicii concert, so raising uh, awareness and funds for, for mental health. Um, so that is up at the moment, and I know there's an event running in December as well, so I'm going to try and share some stuff for that uh there's a range of other stuff going on but yeah if you go and look at the website everything could be linked from there you can find me over at social media uh at mike underscore douglas underscore and you can Sweet. find all of my stuff over at beyondyourpastradio.com that is the podcast um that's where all the the, the episodes are uploaded there um it's available on all the usual outlets google podcast itunes spotify stitcher spreaker all that stuff um and and then of course if you want to learn more about the coaching side it's just beyondyourpast.com so um but yeah it's been it's been a good year for the podcast it's been a, a learning year for me in a big way so i'm looking forward to see what 2020 has um i may be doing a bit of a a revamp on the format of the podcast for 2020 i'm kind of brainstorming that a little bit now to see how i want to approach it if i want to stay with the, the format i have been or if i want to go to a more seasonal type of thing so but either way, the podcast will be here in some form or fashion. And uh, yeah, check it out and uh, yeah, download it, listen to it, share it, like it, all that kind of cool stuff. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, Matt, I'm glad that you're still growing and learning and that you, that it keeps expanding and that you're getting more and more of your voice out there. That's that's always cool. Um, Mike. Uh, less less blogging and more podcasts is awesome because we can't hear you talk on a blog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to imagine your accent through a blog. Right. That's and it's 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 just it's not yeah, it's not acceptable. It's okay. just not acceptable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right guys. Well I am at uh, there's not a whole lot going on on my end, but that's going to change here in the near future, probably beginning of 2020. And you can follow that and, and see what's going on. Um, 
uh, on Twitter uh, at WesA1966. And yeah, that pretty much covers it. Also, dudes, well, enjoy your your Thanksgivings and your Christmas and your New Year's. And we will keep in touch, obviously, um, as we continue to struggle with time zones and all that type (laughs) of stuff. (laughs) At least we're getting healthier in other areas. This is something we'll work on later. Join us for our next episode when Mike turns 70. (laughs) 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 Okay. All right, guys. We'll talk at you soon. All right, guys. Talk to you soon. See you soon. All right. Bye. Bye. These are real people. They do have struggles. And it starts to get on my nerves. I just shut down. So many people suffer from mental illness. To get the word out that men have got to start talking. So I told everything and her face dropped. A lot of people don't understand the depth of the situation, so they can't appreciate Yeah, It's difficult dealing with our minds. And the suicidal thoughts were back. People knew that there was something not right, but they just never really said anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything. You're not depressed, it's it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most. I mean, this, this, this shit is real and it's hard, it's exhausting. And I think people realize how helpful that one conversation can be just to figure out why you are feeling the way you are. Not only did this help me to write it, mm. it potentially might have helped some other people as well. So it sort of started from there. So many people think they're alone. And then you hear other people talk about it and they think, oh, that's, you know, that's so brave or I could relate to that. Um, And then they want to talk about it.